With the remaining time, I just want to share a quick word of exhortation and encouragement, uh, first and foremost to you students, but also to the rest of you as well. Uh, This is going to be coming from the book of Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those, and you can go to Hebrews 12. While you're turning there, uh, know that I'm going to be be addressing two groups primarily today. Those two groups are you students, especially those of you who went to Kalahari last weekend, and then the rest of us adults in here. Uh, And and thinking about what I wanted to say uh, to kind of cap off the whole Kalahari experience, um, I started thinking about my own life, my own experiences growing up. And so I want to start by talking to you students. And I want to start by saying this. I've been where you are. And it wasn't that long ago that I was where you are. I remember going to camps and retreats like Kalahari growing up. I remember going there and having my world rocked. I remember just experiencing God for the first time. I remember coming to know Christ at a camp I remember the mountaintop experience, and I remember just feeling so close and intimate with my Lord each and every time I went to a camp or to a retreat. I remember going home after every single one of them, thinking to myself, man, I just want this experience and this feeling to last forever. I don't want this to end. It never did, though. I might maintain that spiritual high that Christian talked about for a week, maybe even two weeks or three, maybe even longer at certain times, but it never lasted beyond a week or two weeks or three weeks or even more. Right? That feeling that I had at camp, that high, that mountaintop experience, always ended up just fading away, and it was always ended up being life back to normal again. In fact, I remember the first time I came home from that summer camp where I came to know Christ. I came home, and I lived in this kind of spiritual high for like three to four months. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Like, I finally came to know Christ for the first time. Like, maybe this is just what the Christian life is all the time now. It's just living in this, the joy and ecstasy of knowing Christ and of uh, feeling sin just fall away and spending time in his word and in prayer and just feeling that intimacy with him. Maybe this is just what the Christian life is all the time. But even then, after three or four months, that feeling slowly began to fade. And all of a sudden, I find myself back in uh, the same habitual sins, back in where I'm struggling to read scripture, where I'm struggling to find intimacy with God in prayer and in his word. And so because of that, there was this uneasiness that, okay, this is how my my Christian experience at camp and at this retreat was this over here. This is what it looks like. But now my experience of the Christian life over here looks far different from this camp or this retreat. And so it wasn't that I was not saved anymore. It wasn't that I had lost my salvation I don't think that can happen. But there was just this uneasiness and this tension because why are these two things not matching up? Why am I not feeling like this all the time? Why am I feeling like this over here? And so for some of you kids, you're in that spot right now. 
that last weekend, a week ago today, we're at Kalahari, and you're just flying so high. You're just running so fast. You're feeling so free. You're just caught up in the joy of worshiping God. There's no temptation to sin there, right? You're feeling this intimacy with him. Everything is going great. You're just living in that mountaintop, just feeling that joy. But maybe for some of you, a week later, here we are, And all that's gone now. And you're living right back where you were, struggling with the same sins, struggling to find intimacy with God in his word and in prayer. And you're wondering, why can't we just be back at Kalahari? Why can't I just be back at that retreat or that camp or whatever it was? Hebrews 12.1 gives us a picture of the Christian life. And it's not a picture that resembles a mountaintop experience. Uh, The chapter before this, Hebrews 11, is known as the the Hall of Faith. Because it's filled with all of these great heroes of the faith who have gone before us. It's got uh, David, uh, Samuel, Moses, Abraham. It's got lesser known people like Rahab. They're all in there. Chapter 11 is all about their great faith and how they ran this race, race with such perseverance and endurance. And so chapter 11 gets done, and then Hebrews 12.1 finally says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. So the idea in 12.1 is that all these people who have gone before, all these great saints from the Old Testament now uh, make a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us as we now run our race. And the idea isn't so much that they're now looking down on us, that, that they're not so much watching us and encouraging us as we run our race. The idea is more that now these people, their lives serve as testimonies to us of what the life of faith looks like. And so now we look at them, we see their lives of faith and the races they ran, and we find encouragement and hope as we run our races. And it's interesting, if you look back at chapter 11, and you look at all these people, none of them ran the perfect race. None of them lived in this kind of spiritual high, and none of them lived on the spiritual mountaintop. They all struggled with sin. They all struggled to find intimacy with God. It goes on to say, towards the end of chapter 11, many of them suffered mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and sawn in two and were killed with the sword. They were afflicted and mistreated. This is the race that they ran. This is the race that we now run. So none of them ran this race perfectly. They struggled with sin. They faced persecution. They struggled to find intimacy with God. And so do we. But I'll tell you, what each of these people did in chapter 11 is they ran their race well. Not perfectly, but they ran their race well. And they did that by doing two things that Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tell us. First thing they did, it says, is this. So notice how it says, We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also 
So in other words, let us also do as they did. Let's follow their example in doing this. And it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So the first thing that these people did that we must do in our race is that we must be vigilant and active in laying aside our sin. There's nothing flashy about this. There's nothing glamorous about this. But the daily work of putting sin to death. Not being content with sin, but finding that as soon as we see it, repenting of it, seeking healing and hope from it, and then laying that aside as it, so it doesn't hinder us in our race. Martin Luther, in the first of his 95 theses, said this. He said, when Christ said that the Christian life is to be a life of repentance, not that just a moment of repentance, but a whole life of repentance. We are called to a life of repentance, a life of seek, seeking out the sin in our life, of putting it to death, of laying it aside as we run our race. And so to you students, I would say, lay aside your sin. Right? And that takes endurance. It's not easy. It's not flashy. It requires confession to a trusted believer, probably an older, more mature believer. It requires repentance. It requires uh, work. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's painful. But when you do, you will find freedom now to run the race and pursue Christ like never before. And so the first thing these people in chapter 11 did is they laid aside their sin. They weren't sin-free. They struggled with it. But, for example, take David. We know what David committed a pretty heinous sin, adultery and then having the lady's husband murdered. Right? He committed this heinous sin, but what he did do is he sought out legitimate repentance and restoration after that. Right? Let us follow his example, not in the sin, but in the act of repentance and renewal and restoration. That's the first thing is we lay aside our sin. Verse 2 goes on. The second thing is this. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, verse 2 is interesting because of what it doesn't say. After chapter 11 and after verse 1, you might expect it to say, let us now fix our eyes on all these great witnesses and let us look at their lives and look to their great example. But that's not what it says. Instead, what it says is, looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Right? These heroes of chapter 11, they are heroes of sorts, but they are all flawed. None of them ran the perfect race. Instead, we are to look to the hero of our faith, Jesus himself. Jesus ran the perfect race on our behalf, so we don't look to other fallible, fallen, depraved humans. We look to Christ himself who ran the perfect race. It says he is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Other translations say the author and the finisher, the beginner, the one who begins it, the one who finishes it or makes it complete. And so we're not to fix our eyes first and foremost on others. We are to fix them on Christ himself. Because he ran the perfect race on our behalf. He lived the perfect life of faith in obedience to God on our behalf. He ran his race free of sin on our 
behalf. He endured the ultimate shame and persecution and suffering at the cross on our behalf. He kept ever before him the joy of the eternal glory that he would share with the Father on our behalf. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father where we too will be one day. That we fix our eyes on Christ. Christ is the source of our faith. He is the example of our faith. He is the object of our faith. He is the sustainer of our faith and he is the reward of our faith. And so first and foremost, we fix our eyes on Christ himself. And as we run our own race, we do these two things. We lay aside our sin, we repent of it, and we seek renewal and restoration while simultaneously fixing our eyes firmly on Christ above who is seated at the right hand of the Father, knowing that he is the object of our faith, the sustainer, the example, and the great reward of our faith. And both of these things take endurance. This is not easy work. See, the Christian life is not so much about just mountaintop experiences as it is just the daily laying aside of sin and the daily pursuit of Christ. There's, I think there's a church sign in town right now that actually says it well. It says, daily devotion is better than yearly resolution. And so just to share with you more from my experience, I remember going to these camps and retreats and it was like a spiritual shot of caffeine for me. I would just knock it back for a weekend and come back and I was ready to go for a couple weeks. Then that caffeine would wear off. Then I was just dragging. And so what I would do is I would just look back to that retreat or that camp and I would just try to conjure up the same feeling and the same experience. I try to remember the, the lighting, the exact words the speaker said, the music, everything about it. I just tried to remember so that I could feel that same way again. And like any feelings, those are fleeting. And so when it, within a matter of weeks, all of a sudden, I can't re- remember anything uh, emotionally from that experience. And so what I would do is I wouldn't be able to look back and remember that experience. So I would inevitably begin to look forward to the next time where I could have that mountaintop experience. Okay, when's the next time I can go on a retreat? Six months? Okay, I can make it until then where I get another spiritual shot of caffeine. Next summer, all right, that's a long time, but I think I can make it then. Then I just knock that caffeine back, and I'll be good to go for another couple months. But as I've matured and grown as a follower of Christ, especially over the past few years, my walk with Christ has not been so much characterized by these mountaintop experiences and these valleys. It's been more characterized by the daily laying aside of sin and the enduring work of pursuing Christ in his word and in prayer. And as a result, instead of my Christian life being mountaintops, and now these, instead of so up and down the roller coaster, like Rex said, it's been much more of that mountain climbing experience. Steady and slow upward trajectory, maybe periods of plateau, but for the most part, just steps forward, up, 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 towards Christ-likeness, towards the glory that we await. And so now, in my Christian life, I'm not so much looking forward to the next uh, mountaintop experience. I'm not so much looking forward to the next shot of spiritual caffeine I can knock back. As I am just looking forward to the next time where I can just be alone with him and his word. Where I can just be alone and spend some time in prayer. 
or just looking forward to that time when I can just go sit by myself, put on my noise-canceling headphones, and just put on some hymns and just sit there and be silent and just listen for the next 20 minutes or so. And I can tell you, as I've grown in that, and as many of these older, more mature believers will attest as well, right? as we grow from, instead of these highs and lows, the mountaintop experiences, to the daily laying aside of sin and the daily pursuit of Christ, our life becomes much more of a mountaintop, not a mountaintop, I said that wrong, not a mountaintop, much more of a mountain climbing experience, taking steps forward than it is the ups and downs. And so, students, my word of encouragement to you is from Hebrews 12, run, 12, 1 and 2, run your race with endurance. Right? The walk with Christ is more about daily faithfulness to Christ than it is the mountaintop experiences. Right? And you'll learn that as you go. And I think the sooner you learn it and the sooner you pursue those things, the sooner you will learn to run your race well. Now, to the other group in the room, to us adults... I want to say this. Let's help these students. Our race is not finished. We're still in the middle of it, still running our race until the day he calls us home. But as we do this, we are much more mature. We've, we've learned from our mistakes in the past. We've experienced those mountaintops and those valleys in our race. We've learned to pursue Christ daily and to lay aside our sin. Let us encourage these young people to do the same. Because many of them now are sitting there thinking, okay, lay aside my sin and pursue Christ daily. Got it. But then it's going to come down to it, and they're going to realize, I don't really know what that looks like or how to do that. Let's help them. Right? And that's not just for those of you and those of us committed to our junior and senior high ministry. We can do that in a unique way. Parents, you can do that in a unique way. But to all of us, if you're sitting here thinking, I don't know any of these junior and senior high students. I don't spend time with them. What can I do? Let's, as a congregation, just surround them and just encourage them. Man, get to know some of them. Learn their names. Ask them how they're doing. Not just like, how was school today? Good one-word answer. But man, how are you doing? What sin are you struggling with? How is your pursuit of Christ going? How can I help you as you run your race? Right, so let's surround these young people as a congregation. Let's encourage them and let's lift them up as they seek to run their race and to run it well. All right, worship team, would you come forward? So again, to you students just getting over the experience at Kalahari, I hate to tell you this, but at some point that feeling, that higher on, will fade away. Right, but again, the Christian life is not so much about those mountaintop experiences as it, is, as it is the daily enduring work of pursuing Christ and laying aside our sin. Right, and so students, I would encourage you with that. Don't be discouraged. It's normal for that to go away. Right, Christ, fix your eyes on Christ, our example, the object of our faith, the sustainer of our faith, and the reward of our faith. And then to us adults, let's walk with them and let's run side by side with these students as they seek to run well, encouraging them, lifting them up, helping them as we run our race and we help them to run theirs. All right, would you stand with me and pray? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for all the students in here today. For those who were able to go to Kalahari and for those who weren't. Father, I thank you for all the good work that you did last weekend. For the good works that you began in so many. 
Father, we just pray for these students moving forward, whether they be uh, younger or older. Lord, help them to run their race well. By your Holy Spirit, enable them to lay aside the sin in their lives. May they walk in repentance. Lord, may they walk daily in pursuing Christ. Help them to fix their eyes firmly upon him. Trusting in him alone, trusting in his perfect grace that he ran on their behalf. Father, help them to know that you who began a good work in them will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, fill them with your spirit as they run this race. Strengthen them, encourage them. May they run well. And Father, for us adults, I pray that you would help us to run this race well. Help us also to be faithful in the daily laying aside of sin and in the daily pursuit of Christ. Lord, help us to encourage these younger believers. Help us as a congregation to surround them, to lift them up, to run this race right alongside of them. Father, let us be a people as a whole who will take our sins seriously, who will lay it aside daily seriously and may we help each other and walk with one another as we seek to run this race together Father we thank you again for sending your son to run the perfect race on our behalf and now we fix our eyes on him as we do every single day and it's in his name we pray